0: This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding and the time it takes to drive for the grocery store. I'm Luke Hevy, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do. This is Luke Covey with Crucial Tech, today with my partner in crime, Joe Basquez. Uh, Joe uh, is not actually uh, employed by Footwasher Media. He's employed by a large multinational conglomerate uh, that shall remain nameless. But Joe is in the area of customer service, at least training employees how to do customer service. And what he is doing is, is empowering. Employing the experiences and the predictions that Footwasher Media has been making since the year 2000, uh, and Footwasher Media has gone through many different uh, forms, and is now currently in the area of helping companies understand how to use digital technology and creating content and content strategies for those companies, and. All of this comes from things that we have seen over the years. And and this particular episode was started by a magazine article from Fast Company, which was titled, All the Things COVID 19 Will Change Forever According to 30 Top Experts. And as I was looking through the stuff, I was saying, Oh my God, this is what we've been telling people for decades. So the title of this show is the possibly first possibly annual, we told you so episode of Crucial Tech.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Luke.
0: Yeah, you know, what we do is,
1: is we, a lot of what we do with these startup companies is to uh, talk, we, we create content and things that is talking about bleeding edge technologies and things that are to come and what these technologies allow us to do. And a lot of times we don't see adoption for the things that we talk about um, for a very long time. And what the situation is doing is it's really forcing everyone to kind of go into the fast lane and do some of these things that we've been talking about for a while. So it's a pretty interesting time to kind of just uh, watch and see if it all plays out, right? A lot of what we do is theoretical, it's in research, it's in universities, it's on papers. uh, But now we get to see it actually
0: play out. Yeah, and and one of those issues was, uh, it was titled digital migration. And... And that's the one that is actually affecting your job more because there used to be a knock on social media. This eliminated that connectedness that that people have and it's actually created barriers. And it's true, it has, but that's more according to how we've used it. Um, Joe and I used to go uh, to trade shows. We would travel the world to to help our clients present themselves to the media and to their, their customers in a positive way. But Joe and I always found that trade shows were incredibly expensive and inefficient when, it, when you compared it to what you could do digitally. We, we have tried to, to tell people, okay, you need to actually engage with people using this technology. And that's what we're finding out d- during this pandemic, is that people are figuring out how to finally use this technology, not to speak at people, but to speak with them. And that's one of the things that you've discovered uh, working at this corporation, right, Joe?
1: So, yeah, I think a couple of things really drastically have changed. And one is not necessarily the technology. We talk a lot about that, and we have been for a long time. The technology's been there. It's been available. Like you said, it's how you use it. But I also think a major, major shift has been the expectation that people have of the technology. Let me give you a prime example, working from home, right? Yeah. Um, there there was a, a couple of things first of all in the article they mentioned that when you didn't show up to a board meeting previously you were kind of thought of as mailing it in you were kind of thought of as not maybe not hundred percent engaged in the decision making that expectation has now changed right um, I, you know if you hear things like children in the background you hear things like dogs in the background it's not necessarily unprofessional anymore because we're all going through that. We all understand what's going on. And I don't necessarily think those things change. So I think our expectation of what you get is going to be different. And certain things that were not previously okay will be okay because we all understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I don't think those things go away once we get back to quote unquote normal, right? Uh, there was another survey where about 80%, depending on which survey you look at, there's several out right now, between 60 and 80% of the people who are working from home want to continue doing that in some capacity. What that tells me is there's going to be more people doing it, whether you know there's a situation that requires it or not. And so do the expectations return to what they were before? Um, you talked about engagement. And one of the major things that I see here is in education and how teachers are using things and i have come across so many new platforms in the last few weeks and it seems to be there's this divide between the platforms that get the technology right and the platforms that get the interaction right so i really feel like after this is completed or maybe even during it depending on how long it takes like i said before the necessity is the mother of invention right i think we're going to see some of these things come together to kind of get those two pieces of the platform. There are some that do the interaction great and don't necessarily do the education part great. And then there's the other ones that that do the other side. So um, I think we're going to see uh, kind of a melting there. And I know there's a lot of people looking right now into investing, a lot of VCs, specifically in software education and software programs. So I'm interested to find out after this is all over, What does that look like, right? Do we have these blended education opportunities? Do we have these opportunities where people work from home part of the time just as part of their perks or where school, you know, may or may not be in a classroom all day, every day of the week? Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out.
0: Yeah, and I think that you've hit on a a good point about how how people – are, are trying to get it right, and there are so many different ways to do it. Um, if they had listened to us 20 years ago and we told them this is what was going to be coming, they might be ready for it. And if they had had their businesses fail to the point like we did, where you had to move to Texas to be able to support your family, and I had to move my office inside, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, we were we were forced into do this, just like everyone else is being forced into do it, and. It's not that difficult to learn this technology, but something that management needs to understand is it's never going to be back to the way it was. In fact, they're saying when people actually do start coming into the offices, the whole idea of the open office space and cubicles is probably dead because you can't put people in that close proximity and expect them to to not be infecting people with no matter what it is. So the idea of having your own individual office on a part-time basis, Uh, actually Oracle did this many years ago Uh, in Redwood city, they were building a new uh, hotel and Oracle came in even before they put the first uh, shovel into the dirt and bought up all of the rooms for five years. So that they, they actually had half of their employees would work from home or, would come in and stay at the hotel for a few weeks and work at an office space and then go back home so oracle had been involved in the process of releasing the their employees from having to be in the office many years ago and i'm sure that you know no one's really been talking about that but they seem to be doing okay you know, <laughs> with that Companies need to learn that, they, that this digital migration that we're going through and working from home and doing business virtually is the way it's going to be for some time now. And having an office will, will be a luxury and a part-time thing.
1: Yeah, you know, another thing that it touches too is just that, the real estate of office space, right? What does that look like now? Do, we, do, do businesses only get like half the space that they would have before? because they're gonna be rotating. Well, that creates, if you rotate your staff in and out, that creates some germ passing, right? So sanitation has to be, a. but let's face it, the the reality is we don't face pandemics every year. It's been a long time since the last one, at least in the United States, but the things that, the, the opportunities that it's creating are things that people are going to want. Yeah. So even if businesses don't have this in place today, maybe they had to shut down because they didn't have it in place. They're still going to have to figure out how to navigate this because this is going to be the things workers want. It will be the things they look for in perks, uh, at least for, you know, those that where there is an opportunity. So uh, if it's not in place, it definitely needs to be in place.
0: And yeah, it's it's affecting many areas of our lives uh, be, beyond the the issue of education, home. It's actually getting into healthcare. Uh, A few years ago, I was talking to a a startup uh, guy, and they were developing a technology that would use an artificial intelligence to determine if an uh, x-ray was a potential uh, cancer risk. Now, the thing is, what was interesting about that is that national law requires that when they are when a radiologist is taking a look at an x-ray to, to find cancer, he has to have two radiologists looking at those x-rays. And that's how it's determined. But this technology was made it possible to eliminate one of the radiologists. Well, they couldn't get past state law because the state law says, no, you have to have two. So this became an added expense, which means it didn't actually help at all. They did, People didn't use it. But now we're at the point where we can't have that many healthcare workers in the same room doing the same job. So we're seeing the digitization of healthcare. I mean, even the the, the ability to have uh, telemedical conferences, right? I... My my own doctor uh, works for the Palo Alto Medical uh, Foundation, and they adopted uh, telemedicine about five years ago. But lots of doctors are are fighting against it. And same in education. There are teachers that are pushing back against not having classroom time. But the thing is, we're not going to be able to go back to those classroom sizes again. They're even talking now about mandating reducing class sizes and using digital communications for those kids who happen to be sick and doing the classroom that way as well. So that way you can have a reduced number of students in the classroom, but still be reaching students over the Internet at the same time. So it's going to require some change in how teachers do it and how healthcare, uh, healthcare workers approaches it. Now, uh, you, and, you you know, it, go, it goes beyond that as well because
1: we all know it's no secret that schools are funded by how many children show up to school. Yeah. So we have to go down to the basic level of even how schools are funded.
0: I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. But at the same time, there has to be a means for, be, for being able to count those students that are on digitally. Right. And, and that's, that's coming into a problem because not all the kids are showing up, and especially in the area of, of colleges. Uh, I have a, a, a guy who's been a, a college professor for 20 years now. And uh, he's, had to go, he's, he's had some experience with online courses. He doesn't like them, but he's found that his, his students will come in, check in, and then check out immediately. Yeah, So that they can be recorded as having, having been there. But when they, when they used to come in, check in and leave when they were alive, he was able to go out and, and stop them in the hall and say, Hey, what's going on and find out if you, they were just slacking or if they had a real issue. But he can't do that now because uh, privacy concerns don't allow the teachers to collect phone numbers to call up their students who aren't showing up for the digital classes. <laughs> right.
1: So, so yeah, laws will have to
0: change. Funding
1: will have to change all kinds of things.
0: Well, also our, our expectation of privacy. I mean, we've been saying this for about 20 years, that there is no such thing as privacy in the digital world. And in the fact, the fact of the matter, there's never been anything, anything you could call private. In, recorded history except for those people that decided to go out into the frontier like mountain men and live by themselves with no connection to civilization. But even when we, you know, 6,000 years ago, if you lived in a village, everybody knew your business, everybody, (laughs) (laughs) because there was two or three people that were keeping an eye on everything and telling everybody else what was going on. So the whole idea of privacy in, in society is, well, it, it never has existed. And we're sort of coming to realize uh, that that's that's true. I mean, I'm thinking about the issue of contact tracing. Uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the, the issues of privacy and, and allowing corporations to track our movements and who who we, we've been talking to. Well, the fact of the matter is that they've been doing that all along. A couple of uh, podcasts I did a, a, a few weeks ago uh, talked about how Apple and Microsoft and Google are actually collecting how we how we travel through um, municipalities. Those systems are picking up that information. Now, are they using it? Not right now. But the, what's being what Google is talking about when in Apple when they're talking about developing technology to figure out if we've come in contact with somebody who has the uh, the coronavirus. That doesn't mean they're building any new technologies. What they're trying to figure out is how do they get around the privacy laws? How, 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 do, they, how do they adapt an artificial intelligence to personalize the information that is not supposed to be personal? And we've, they've got user agreements that said they're not going to be selling that information. Well, the fact of the matter is they do. Uh, They may not use it themselves personally, but they do sell it to other corporations who they call their partners. And it's clearly outlined in the terms and conditions that that you agree to when you uh, activate your phone, that they are going to sell information they collect to other companies. And those companies don't have the agreement not not to use the personal information. So it's already happening. They're just trying to figure out, well, how do we tell people we're tracking them and that's 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 going to be forever now once that gets put in place it's there forever so you might as well get used to it um transportation i will is, say
1: i will say that's one of the things that i disagreed with in the article one of the uh people who was quoted in there said that, that they felt like security and privacy would become a bigger issue uh, a more important issue to people and I feel like that issue is already too big for people. They don't yeah. want to deal with it. They don't want to go through each step for each app that they have. They don't want to, re- I mean, no one reads the terms and conditions. I mean, fair, it, 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 they have studied it. Like 96, 97% of people don't read it. They just want to use something. They click it and they move on. So even if your Facebook says that they're not doing something like you said, one of their partners may be, right? That yeah. you are, and, and, and you had no choice because you chose to, use something. And you. I just don't think that becomes a more important issue to people. I don't see that happening. Uh, the, the the problem just becomes, it gets more complex every day and it's already too complex for people to spend much time on it.
0: And yeah, but the thing is, Joe, they, they, they might because as you said, security is going to become more important and there are companies working on technologies to, uh, to, to secure us that should be out soon. Um, uh, one of our the, the podcast sponsors, Axiato is actually working on that. Uh, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, but people are going to have to start taking responsibility for their own security. That's one of the things that I've been trying to let people know for, for years now is that it's, it really is your responsibility. There are means to keep, to keep yourself relatively secure. Part of that is don't take the stupid tests on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) because all they're trying to do is figure out what your password is. I think security is going to become, become one of those things where people are going to realize, okay, I've got it. I've got to, hunker down i've got to listen to people that know stuff about this and maybe st- change some of the practices that i do and you know that that's when it comes to security as well transportation is going to be changing uh how how we go, go you know, it, the, the good news is is that uh airlines might actually have to start putting more room between the seats <laughs> 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 yeah you never know it might happen you know because they're going to be trying to find ways to get people into those planes again and planes are fairly filthy but even with public transit people don't want to get on buses or on um on subways because they're they're filthy but people are also packed in there so the idea or the business of ride sharing and using scooters and 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 turning individual transportation that is not personally owned that's probably going to become even bigger. I mean, I was thinking, yeah, the next time I go to the city, I probably won't use public transit. I'll probably rent one of those scooters because <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be associating with people.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's de- it, it affects everything. And again, it all comes down to expectation. So even once the virus is under control through a vaccine or treatments, whatever the case may be, the expectation will be different and the expectation won't go back so yeah. it's really time to start thinking about for anybody out there in a business what will those expectations be what can i reasonably assume those expectations will be and how do i prepare for them right because yeah. as a business you got to you do have to figure out a way to make people feel comfortable enough to use your service, whatever that service may be, whatever the expectation is, is what you have to get to.
0: Businesses are going to have to start thinking differently. Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, And they're going to have to be listening to ideas that they hadn't, they poo-pooed before. It's it's getting down to even some of the most basic things. And and we're going to close up with this one. The issue of manufacturing, I mean, that's always been a big deal about, you know, offshoring business and uh, global trade and things like this. This is going to change things because what's happened in this pandemic is many countries have realized that going to a global trade has hurt the ability to maintain the supply lines. Using cheap labor in Asia, which... I, I've always had, you know, I've always, and you know, I've always ha- had my problems with doing business with China because I don't trust the Chinese government. This is not, not an issue of xenophobia. It's just how I see the government work. They have, they have violated so many international trade laws. Their economy is absolutely blown up that every trade or every stock trader I know is starting to have doubts about whether they should maintain any kind of investment in china from my understanding china needs another two trillion dollars of investment in the next year just to maintain their their economy so that's going to that's going to affect the international uh, manufacturing supply line if we can't trust those sources for what we need and that's going to increase uh, actual physical manufacturing and probably expand the need for automation in this country to manufacture crucial supplies like N95 masks.
1: Here's another thing I find interesting. It's very difficult to predict what will be critical. There there was a time not too long ago it would have been useful to have some extra toilet paper, right? Who would have <laughs> thought? <laughs> right? So, it's difficult to predict what that will be necessarily.
0: Yeah, cuz human, humans are not predictable. But uh, the 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 one thing about manufacturing is that for many decades now the just in time or JIT philosophy supplying the the manufacturing chain has you know has been the standard. Well, just in time isn't going to be working anymore if you can't get the materials you need from a foreign country. So we're going to have to even change how we store stuff because the, the story I was reading this morning. Um, about the, the national stockpile of emergency supplies and they, they delivered thousands of masks to a, a, a hospital and they had to throw them all out because dry rot had destroyed the, the, the masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's going to have to change too. Everything we do is going to have to, is gonna, every, and everything we think we should do is going to have to change. So <laughs> the next time it happens and we tell you something is going to happen in the next four or five years, damn it, listen to us. Okay, that's it for part one of this episode. Part two will be an uh, an interview with Fabrizio Capobianco, who is the chief innovation officer for Minerva Networks. And he is a venture capitalist, uh, angel angel venture capitalist, uh, serial entrepreneur, all around fun guy. Uh, And we're going to be talking not only about his new venture into uh, areas of entertainment and interactive entertainment, but also his view from the position of an investor and how this whole situation we're in is changing how investors must be. And this is another thing that we've, uh, we've been talking to people about for many years. The traditional model of venture capital, angel capital is going to have to change. Uh, They're going to have to be more interactive and they're going to have to be able to do things on a virtual basis going forward. Uh, So that's on part two of We Told You So, an episode of Crucial Tech. This is Lou Covey uh, looking forward to talking to you again. Uh, And if you do have a conversation uh, that you'd like to get into, questions, comments on what we have said, go to the Anchor.fm site, uh, listen to our podcast there. You can also leave an audio recording of what you uh, have to say about any of our episodes. And we might uh, make you a star. one of the next ones or we might use one of your ideas. You can also drop ideas and questions to us at footwashermedia.com. Go to the uh, contact section and uh, let us know what you'd like to to know about. Uh, We work with companies to help them develop their story because the story is what matters. Again, this is Crucial Tech signing off. Until the next time, thank you.